welcome to another inspirational message from Brave Church UK. If you've got your Bibles, you want to open up at uh, the book of 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings 22. And I want to kind of start off uh, this week of prayer and fasting with giving just a, a, a time, a portion of our time this morning to emphasizing afresh the reality and the power of prayer and the difference that it can make. And uh, prayer is, for, for a Christ follower, prayer is our source of strength. And um, I don't know about you, I, we've been away uh, this last week and uh, we packed up uh, everything and got on the road and we were staying with family. And what I hate about uh, packing and not being at home is no matter how hard I try, no matter how many lists I write, no matter how diligent I try to be, there's always something that I forget. Always. That when I get there, when I unpack and, and maybe I'm sat on the sofa and I think, oh, I forgot. And it's usually one of the, the more, more obvious things, isn't it? Things you don't really need all Christmas, I suppose. My toothbrush, for a start. Who cares about brushing your teeth when all you're eating is chocolate? Like, come on. Um, I, I forgot my toothbrush. I forgot that. One of the most frustrating things for me, and I, and I do it on numerous occasions, is I usually forget my phone charger. And, uh, and, it's, and it's a real bugbear for me. It's a frustration for me. Uh, the charger is, is, my phone charger is at the side of my bed, and it's just behind, plugged in just behind my bed. So it's one of the things that's out of sight that I usually forget. And if you're anything like me, I've got a little bit attached to my phone. Don't know anybody, I don't think anyone else has that problem, probably just me. I've got attached to my phone. You see, my phone is more than a phone. It's my mode of communicating and connecting with those that I know. Those that I don't know now. It's my diary. It's my calendar. It's my, my speed, uh, my, my step checker. It can, it can tell me how many steps I've taken in a day. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's my entertainment. I've got games on there. I've got Netflix, the Netflix app on my phone. If I'm struggling to sleep, on goes a show. And in goes the headphone. Like, it, it is everything. It's so much more than just, than just a, a, something, a device that you use to call someone. It, it's my bank. It's, it's my camera. It's my calculator. Thank you, Jesus. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. If you ever try and do maths by yourself in your head, nobody, one person again. It's it's out comes the phone, out comes the calculator. I've got my BT Sports app on my phone, which is precious. It is precious. It delivers all kinds of amazing, amazing viewing into my world. Particular highlight this week was the Arsenal Man United game that I watched on my BT Sports app. And uh, watching Arsenal just absolutely wipe the floor with Man United was quite satisfying. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It is, it is my guide. It's my map. Like if you're lost, check, check this out. If you're lost on a walk, not even just in your car, just on a walk, and you want to find out where you need to go, where the path is, what do you do? Open up your map. Google Maps. It's got all my documents on. It's got all my, almost every sermon that, that I write is on that phone, on the drive. I can access it all. It is, has so much potential. The apps on there, the things that I can access, the things that entertain me, the things that I can keep check of. I can check the news every day when I wake up on my phone. And that's why it's so frustrating when I, when I look around and I pack my bag and I'm looking for my charger 
because I know that this small device that runs my life, it's only able to function as it should function if it's got some charge. That if I don't have my charger with me, if I don't have a source of power, then all the potential that's locked up in that tiny, small, little device becomes useless. And it becomes nothing more than an ornament. It becomes nothing more than a paperweight. It, it loses all its potential if it's not connected to the source. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about superheroes. Anyone else love superheroes? I love superheroes. I love, yeah, a few of us. I love superheroes. I love the origin stories of superheroes. I love finding out where they get their power from. Anybody else? I love that Superman's probably my favorite. Superman, I don't know if you know this, Superman gets his power from the sun. He's from a different world. He's from Krypton. And on Krypton, I don't know whether you know this, but they have a red sun, not a yellow sun. And on Krypton, the red sun doesn't power Superman like he's powered on Earth. Because when he's on Earth and he's in light of the, the sun that we have, that he gets all these miraculous powers. Take him off Earth and put him back on Krypton and he's like everybody else. Because it's the sun that gives him the power. Think about uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. What's, what's Spider-Man's source of power? It's a bite by a radioactive spider. Ever had one of those in your house? <laughs> like one bite from a spider powers him, changes his old DNA and his makeup and, and gives him all kinds of strengths and abilities. The Hulk, the Hulk, radiation. The Green Lantern. I know some of you are like, you've, I lost you at Superman. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry. The Green Lantern, a ring that gives him mysterious powers. Doctor Strange, magic. It's the source of his power. You know what I begin to realize as I get older and, and, and just observing life more and more? Everyone draws power from somewhere. And not all the places we draw our power from are all that good for us. If, if the source of our power is the acceptance of our peers... What happens when that acceptance wanes? If the source of our power is a substance that helps us for a moment to feel different from who we really are because we don't want to face the reality that's in front of us, you know there's going to come a time where we're going to realize that's not a healthy source. If our, the source of our power is a relationship that gives us a sense of love and security, well, what happens when that's stripped from us? Is your power gone? You're back on Krypton? We look to all kinds of things. What if your wealth is the source of your power and it makes you feel significant? Well, what happens when you get sick and wealth can't fix it, where do you draw your power from then? You see, I think as, as, as human beings, as people, we were created with all kinds of potential, all kinds of abilities. A little bit like this little device here. 
all kinds of talents and strengths and a mind and a heart and ability to connect with people and help and influence and make a difference. All kinds of potential. And I want to suggest that, that prayer, when we connect with God in prayer, it's like we're plugging ourselves into the real source. And we're positioning ourselves to use and fulfill all of that goodness and all of that potential. But without the plug and without that lead, there's no charge on that thing. And I want to encourage us as we move into 2020 to relook afresh at, at our lives and our relationship with God, to rethink afresh our prayer lives and the time that we divide up and we section off to really press into God and to begin to see it differently. What if that time, that space, that relationship could give you power that you never dreamed of? Could activate apps in you that you didn't even know the capability of until you connected at a different level. And there's a story in 1 Kings chapter 22. I'm going to tell you the story. I want to encourage you, if you want to read the full story, you can do. It's a long chapter. But I'm going to summarize the story for us this morning. Then we're going to pick out some different points. But the story in, in 1 Kings chapter 22, it's, it's a story that, that you won't probably have heard it taught on before or, or spoken about. It's one of those tiny little obscure stories which I love in the book of 1 of Kings and 2 Kings. Just great little stories. And it's a story of a particular man. The character that we're going to focus on is called Micaiah. He's a prophet. Not Micah, the different prophet. Micaiah the prophet. And Micaiah the prophet is a man of incredible strength. He's a man that walks into the situation that we're going to find about in, in 1 Kings chapter 22. He's a man who walks in and he knows how God sees the situation. And he speaks what God wants to say into the situation. You see, Israel's in a little bit of a mess. There's two kings. It's the kingdom's divided. There's Jehoshaphat, who's the king of Judah. And there's Ahab, who's the king of Israel. And they get together as kings and they decide that they're going to go and take back some territory that's theirs. Ramoth Gilead. They're going to go take it back. And they decide that, that as they get together and as they have this little meeting as kings together, they decide that it would be a good idea that before they go out to war and before they go out to try and take back the territory that is theirs and they think they should go out and get, they decide that they're going to inquire of God, which is just a good start, isn't it? It's a good place to start. It's a good place to start 2020 for you to say in your own life, in your own marriage as a church, God, we're inquiring of you. What do you want for us this year? The only problem is that Jehoshaphat and Ahab, the two kings, is they've already predetermined what they want to hear from God. Ever done that? God, we're asking you, but we're not really asking you. Uh, it's, like, it's like when, you, when you're given the options in, in your home, when, when you're thinking about what you're going to eat for tea. Probably shouldn't talk about food, being, being around. Some of you are fasting today, nearly fell off the stage. And uh, new year, new me. And uh, it's like you're given the options, but you're, you're given the options, but you already know what the other person wants. 
Or have you ever done this? When, when you're thinking about getting a takeaway, you already know what you want. And so you'll give the option that you want with re- great enthusiasm and then another option. Like we could get, oh, we could get a Chinese. Oh, we could get a kebab. I don't know. It's like you've already predetermined what you want. And they're inquiring of God, but they already kind of know the way they want it to go. And they decide that they're going to ask all these prophets, false prophets, 400 of them. And these 400 false prophets come into the throne room where the two kings are sat. And they say, we want you to to ask God if we should go out and fight. And all these 400 prophets, they gather together and and they say, yes, you should. Yes, you should. We think you should go out to fight. And in fact, God says you'll win. God says you'll win. And Jehoshaphat says, he says this, he says, is there anybody else, is there any other prophets in in Israel that could give us some insight and some guidance? And Ahab remembers this prophet called Micaiah. And he calls for Micaiah and he calls him into the room. And and Micaiah, he walks into this situation where there's, there's a discussion taking place of should we go out, should we not? The prophets, the false prophets, 400 prophets are already saying, yeah, God says it's all right. God says it's okay. Like, go for it. And then in walks Micaiah, who who has a different kind of of walk, who has a different kind of strength. And there are a few things that I think Micaiah, he shows us in the process of the story. The first thing that Micaiah shows us is this, is he shows us there's no room on God's throne for us. There's no room on God's throne for us. It tells us that when Micaiah walks into this room, as they're inquiring, as they're listening to the advice of the prophets, it says that dressed in their royal robes, verse 10, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria with all the prophets prophesying before them. He walks into a room with two kings sat on their throne, thinking they're in control. And what I love about Micaiah is Micaiah, he's not hungry for a throne, and he's not all that impressed by the kings that are sat on their thrones. Because he understands and he acknowledges in his life and the story teaches us that he knows the real king. And it's not him. And it's not them. It's the creator and the sustainer of the world. And in our lives, what Micaiah shows us is we've got to create that space and awareness that actually in our lives, we don't rule. He does. And, and what I love that, that, that in this process, that, and these 400 prophets, they're trying to please the kings that are sat on their thrones and with, with all this power that they have, and they're trying to, trying to tell them what they want to hear. And Micaiah walks in, and he's met with the real king. So when you've met with the real king, why would you bow your knee to any other king? And I wonder in 2020, I wonder maybe it's time 
for us to get off the throne and allow the king to lead us, to submit to him, to not do it our way, but to do it his way and to live how he wants us to live. The second thing that I think Micaiah teaches us as he walks into that room about connecting to the source and connecting to strength is this. Don't let your desire for acceptance compromise your character. Don't let your desire for acceptance compromise your character. It says of Micaiah, the 400 prophets, they've told the kings, yeah, you should go out. And when they go and gather, the prophets go and get Micaiah. And on the way to the meeting, on the way to taking Micaiah to the kings, they pull him to the side and they say, hey, listen, we've already told the kings that God says they should go out and retake Ramoth Gilead. So when you go into that room, you better tell the party line. When you go into that room, you better tell them that's what God said. And Micaiah turns around, and I love this. He turns around to the prophets, and he says, hang on. I'll only tell them what God tells me to tell them. I don't need your acceptance. If I offend you, that's all right, as long as I've been obedient to God. If I say something everybody doesn't want to hear, that's all right, because I'm, at least I'm obedient to what God's told me. Because he's my king. See, Micaiah is not the type of, of person, not the type of friend who will agree with you to your face and disagree with you behind your back. You don't want that kind of man in your life. Micaiah is the kind of friend, the kind of friend you want that will sit up close and personal and look you in the eye and they'll say, no, that's not right. I don't think you should do that. That's not good for you. And I think we have a choice in life, just like Ahab and Jehoshaphat. Do you want to surround yourself with people who will just tell you what you want to hear? You can do that, and it'll make you feel good. Or you can live life God's way, where his counsel is far above and beyond what the, the peer group says. And the people that just want to tell you what you want to hear, want to say, and speak into your life. And Micaiah shows us that he's not interested in acceptance. He's interested in character. Who he is before God is everything. Who he is before God is everything. The next thing that Micaiah shows us is this. Is what you see is determined from where you see it from. What you see is determined by where you see it from. He tells us that as Micaiah walks into the room and as the kings ask him his advice, Micaiah says, uh, it's not going to end well. If you go out to war, there's going to be casualties and you're going to lose. You're going to lose. And the kings are, are annoyed and so are the prophets. Because the kings want to do things their way. And the prophets are just interested. The false prophets are interested 
in appeasing the kings. And Micaiah says, no, that's not the way it's going to work. And here's why I think there's a massive difference between what the 400 prophets say and what Micaiah says. It's the throne room that they were stood in. You see, for the 400 prophets, they're stood in the earthly throne room of these two kings on their thrones, looking from an earthly perspective. Micaiah tells us in the story, he tells us that he's not been stood up until this moment in an earthly throne room. He's been stood in a heavenly throne room. Literally, the text tells us that he's had a heavenly vision, a heavenly encounter, which has told him how things are going to work out. It says this in, in chapter 19 of 1 Kings 22. It says, Micaiah continued, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the multitudes of heaven standing around him on his right and on his left. Where you, where you stand and where you look from determine what you see. Do you want to stand in the courts of men and reason things through? Or would you like to stand in the throne room of heaven and see what the king has to say and how he sees this thing? And Micaiah has invested time, energy, effort in getting himself into the inner room, the throne room of heaven where he now sees things clearly. Have you ever been around someone who, who maybe, maybe you've seen things from, from just an earthly point of view, and they seem to have this relationship with God and see things completely different? And here's what you think. When you're the one who sees things, because I've been there, when you're the one who sees things from the earthly point of view, you think you're insane. You've, you've lost the plot. Like, I don't know what you're smoking, but it's not good for you. It's not good. But then when you've been on the other side, and the curtains have been peeled back, and you've been invited into this intimate relationship in the inner room, and God begins to speak to you and show you things from His perspective, and how He sees people, and how He sees the world, and how He sees you, everything shifts. And so there's no wonder when Micaiah walks into this, this earthly throne room and he says what actually is seen in heaven, you know what they do? They reject what he said straight away. Because there's, there's 402 of us over here, the two kings and the 400 false prophets, who are saying one thing. And there's one prophet who's been in a different room and sees things from a different perspective saying another. Who's right? While they reason, us, he's wrong, we're right. Because that's easy, isn't it? I encourage us this year, Micaiah, get into the throne room of heaven. How do you do that? You do that by getting in the inner room. What's the inner room? The inner room is any place that you create where you can hear God speak. Where you can worship, where you can talk to him any space, any time, that you, you make that an inner room for a moment. 
things start to shift. Things start to change. The next thing that Micaiah teaches us, I want to get through this, is your identity is not found in your outward appearance, but who's at work on the inside of you. Your identity is not found in your outward appearance, but who's at work on the inside of you. The interesting thing, it doesn't tell us in the text, but the commentators tell us uh, as they've done the research is this, is that Micaiah, when he walks into the throne room, you know where he comes from when they've gone to get him? He comes from prison. He's been locked up. Because every word of God he brings is against King Ahab. Because King Ahab doesn't live how God wants him to live and doesn't act and doesn't rule how God wants him to act. And so King Ahab has got fed up of the prophet Micaiah and he's put him in prison. And so they go and get a prophet from prison. And he walks into the throne room where they're sat with their royal robes and they've got a feast prepared. And he walks in in rags and in chains. And I thought, as I read the scripture, I thought this, who's the most secure person in that room? It's not the kings on their thrones. It's not the the prophets, the puppet prophets trying to please everyone. It's Micaiah. Rags and chains, probably disheveled. Not only if you shave him for a while, his hair's probably grown. You think he cares? No. Because he knows what's really valuable. And what's really valuable is his relationship with God. He's doing what God asks him to do. That's what's really valuable for Micaiah. And so he stands there in his chains and in his rags before these two kings. And he reads their number. And he says, if you go out, this isn't going to end well. And in fact, Ahab, if you go out and fight, you'll die. You know what the kings do? They say, send him back to prison. Send him back. And you know what they do to him? They put him on a forced fast. They say, send him back to prison and only give him bread and water until I come back successfully from this battle. As the time goes on, as the story unfolds, King Ahab goes out to battle and King Ahab dies. Exactly what Micaiah has said comes true. But he was the only one who said it. And everybody else was singing from a different tune. In fact, as he stood in the presence of the kings and he tells them how things are going to go, it tells us that the leader of this this group of prophets, Zedekiah, the leader of these 400 prophets, he stands up and he slaps Micaiah across the face. And he says to him this, he said, where did the spirit of God go when he left me? In other words, what he's saying to Micaiah is, how can God tell me one thing and you another? And you know what Micaiah's response is? I love this. I've got to get it exactly word for word. He says this, verse 25. Micaiah looks at Zedekiah, this prophet who thinks he's heard from God. You can think you've heard from God. When you're leaning too heavily on trying to please people and too heavily on your emotional leading, you could think you've heard from God. And he says, how how come God told you something different to what he told me? And here's what Micaiah says, verse 25. Micaiah replied, you will find out 
on the day that you go and hide in an inner room. Wow. You will find out on the day you go and hide in an inner room. Here's what he's saying to Zedekiah. Your relationship and your intimacy with God has become much more about your public appearance than you pursuing him in private. And he says, you'll find out what God really says and what God really wants by hiding yourself away in the inner room. Here's what's happened for Micaiah. He's been locked in prison. It was meant to be a place of constraint, of restraint, of captivity. But that prison room had become an inner room. It had, become, it had gone from a place of, of, of captivity to a place of freedom for Micaiah. Because it's a place he heard from God. It's a place he met with God. It's a place that he developed his conversation, his ability to hear, his worship, his prayer life. All of that was developed in an inner room, in a prison. And here's some, some just practical points about an inner room. And anyone can do this. Anyone can create an inner room. Anyone can create space and time where you encounter God. And, and, and if you don't, and, and, and if I don't, it's not because we don't have the ability to do it. It's because we choose not to. And in 2020, I want to encourage you, let's make the decision at the beginning of this year. Let this be a year where we prioritize the inner room. Where we hear from God more than we hear from people. Here's some practical things about an inner room. Number one, an inner room is out of sight. It's out of sight. I think this is one of the most unattractive things about the inner room, which is why a lot of people don't pursue the inner room. Because nobody else can see it. And we live in a world that wants to celebrate everything that we do. I'm reading, I'm reading my Bible. I've got a few devotional books. Take a picture. Look at me spending time with God. Post. See how many likes I get on that. He'll think I'm spiritual today. An inner room is out of sight. No one sees it. No one hears your conversation with God. No one's clapping you and applauding you. When you're on your knees and you're, and you're dealing with uh, maybe some conflict or some issues, when you're on your knees in the inner room, God can lift you up. But nobody else will see God can give you strength, but it's not being beamed onto TV. It's the inner room. It's the inner room. The 400 prophets want the room with everybody in. Want the fanfare. Want the show. Micaiah, he wants the inner room. He wants the room where God is. Just him and God. Number two, an inner room is this. It's a place of encounter. There's an important thing about the inner room. The inner room is not you on your own. It's not about isolation. It's about you being alone with God. That's different. It's not about you being alone by yourself. Just having some time to myself. Just isolating myself. No, it's about you getting alone with God. God, I've come here to encounter you. To meet with you. You can do that. You can. You can, you can pick a room in your house. And you can put on some music, some worship music. And you can sit down in a chair and say, God, I don't have a, have a clue how to do this. 
but I want to meet with you here. So teach me. Teach me how to do it. I remember as a young Christian, I got saved at 17 years old. And, and, I, and my bedroom became my inner room. I had left school with no qualifications, nothing, and, and completely, and, and I didn't really want to know God before I encountered him powerfully. And I'd screwed up in life. And I got alone with God in an inner room. And it's amazing what God will, will show you. I'd never read a book cover to cover before I became a Christian. And I began to open up the Bible and read the stories of old. And God began to speak. And you can't fake that. You can't copy it. You've got to experience it. You've got to get alone. Maybe, maybe you, I struggle to read that. Well, get a, get a worship track on and start to talk. Well, how do I talk to God? As you talk to anybody else. Tell him you're angry if you're angry. Tell him you're frustrated if you're frustrated. Tell him the things that are on your heart, the things that are on your mind. And it'll be amazing. God will turn that room into a place of encounter. God will be there. And you'll start to change. And you'll think, how the heck did this happen? It's because you just created a space of encounter. Where God, I want to meet with you. Third thing about an inner room is this. It's the place of sacrifice and blessing. Sacrifice and blessing. It costs. It costs. Because you're creating space and time in your life and you already think you're too busy to do that. Here's what I've found in life. I'll always find time for the things that I want to find time for. Always. Well, I've got no free time. Well, you've just binge watched a series of Netflix. But you've got no time. It doesn't have to be lengthy. It doesn't have to be systematic. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, something you copy off somewhere. Just create some space. Five minutes. That's a good start. Some space. Some time. It costs. But I tell you what, the payoff is worth it. The payoff, when you invest in the inner room. The payoff in your, in your peace, your joy, your perspective, the way that you live, the things that you see, the, the things that used to bother you that don't. The payoff is amazing, but it costs. It costs. And the last thing about the inner room is this. It's a place that you cannot duplicate or bypass. In other words, you cannot mimic it, copy it off anybody else. And you cannot bypass it. If I'm really honest, in my own life and with people that I encounter who are Christ followers, we want the benefits of, of intimate relationship with God without developing the discipline of the inner room. And we try and find ways to bypass it. Well, I don't really need to do that. It's a bit formulaic. And I, I want to live like this and just do what, how I see things. And I think God works this way, so we're going to go with that. And that's the best thing I've got. And da, da, da. No, 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 you can't do that. You can't bypass it. It's in the inner room. The inner room. That you're formed from the inside out. And this year, wouldn't it be great if you got to the end of the year and you could look back and say, wow, if there's one thing, my, all my resolutions might not have paid off, but one thing, I wrote it in my calendar, I set my alarm, 
They had people that kept me accountable. And the one thing that I established this year was an inner room where I can meet with God. He can meet with me. And he can work the stuff, the junk that's on the inside of me out instead of that just coming out to everybody else. Anybody up for that? This isn't, this isn't to guilt you this morning. You've got to do better. You've got to find your own in the room. The, the thing from Micaiah, he's free. In the story, he's free. He might be in chains, but he's free. Secure, solid, strong. Because he knows the source of his power. And it's not in a king who can issue a decree on earth. It's in the king of heaven who speaks things that are not as though they were. That's the end of this week's podcast. We hope that it inspired you. For any more information, visit bravechurch.co.uk.